podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. It's the Tuesday Bulletin. It's the trio. It's Declan, Lawrence and Liam. We're joining you this Tuesday afternoon, gents. Another step closer to the league title, having got the hoodoo of St Murn and Paisley off our back. And it's a big week. I think you could possibly say this is one of the defining weeks um, in the, the, the season. We've got a tough um, away fixture out the road in St Murn. Parts at Celtic Park tomorrow night. And then it's a trip through there to Tynecastle on... Sunday, our tagline today, we're going to be chatting about Lee Alabada. As Lee Alabada played his way into Angie's starting 11, please do give us your thoughts on Lee Alabada. Liam, um, I'll come to you, we'll get into this right away. Um, both you and I have, have championed Dyson Maeda on here for a hell of a long time. Um, we're both big fans of his. I think he's a top, top class player. But I think there'll always be that point with the manager, but he always looks to maybe freshen the team up a wee bit. And whatnot, yeah. he's not been one to say he's got a you know a strongest start in the living, even though that was maybe becoming a wee bit apparent going into this game that we were kind of sticking to the same eleven. But on a bad as shown, I think in Paisley on Sunday, I would imagine it'll probably start against Hearts tomorrow night. Yeah, and the thing is, if he does start, you know, Maeda probably comes on after an hour or so, or if Maeda starts, a bad comes on after an hour. Or so either way, they're both going to get some game time tomorrow so really if I was the the player who doesn't start tomorrow I wouldn't be that upset because clearly the manager rates both of them very highly and sees both of them as, as long-term options for the for the squad moving forward absolutely and Lord as we come to you in this one um jungle line coming to say as Ange said I'm not here to keep players happy I know one of the questions he was asked after the game was something in reference to Abada throwing his toys out the pram and he you know he hit back saying you know why would he do that he reiterated this message I know there's been chat I think last week from the Israel boss and saying that you know about Abada not wanting to extend his contract stay at the hoops but I think he's contracted until 2026 he's an asset at the club he's approaching 100 games just having a look at his numbers here 15 goals last season 11 assists 12 goals this season 7 assists he's an important player for us all that's just noise in the background he played very well on Sunday. I think he probably will start tomorrow night. Yeah, wouldn't be like the press trying to unsettle one of our Not at performers all. before <laughs> a big game, would it? You know, maybe it's just been cynical, but listen, Ange gave it more time than it probably deserved, didn't he? You know, but he certainly treated it with the disdain it, you know, deserved from the, the reporter. You know, as if Ange wouldn't know how to handle a player that <laughs> was out of the pram, as if he's going to share it, but. Yeah, you know, about a, you know, if he doesn't want to sign a new contract, he's got three years left. You, you know, not in a rush at the moment. He's got frightening numbers. It's, and I suppose the front six know more than likely five of them are going to get subbed at one point during the game. Just we play as a, a proper squad. For me, it's just a non-issue that the press are, are trying to bring up. Yeah. Will he start? 
Maybe, but if, if he doesn't, as Liam says, he'll come on. He'll, def- he'll definitely contribute in the game. Liam, well, I would add ever... to that. Sorry, you just to pick no. up on something there. Um, the story of Abada's national manager apparently making noises about, well, you know, he's got to think he's international career or whatever. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think from looking into it today, that originated from the same sources as a very, very similar story a few months ago, um, make it with the Greece manager allegedly making noises about Giacomakis. Yeah. Now, the thing is, I saw no direct quote from Greece's manager then, and I see no direct quotes from Israel's manager now. Now, again, am I being cynical? Don't know. But uh, if you're a, a hack working for a particular red top, um, you're going to think, well, I managed to unsettle one player with a strategy. Let's try it again. It's, it wouldn't be out of the question at, at all. And again, they like to put two bits of the jigsaw puzzle together. Abad is no longer with Dudu Dahan, um, a old mate who's brought us plenty signings in the door. I think he's went over to Juranovic's agent. So again, that'll be joining pieces of the jigsaw puzzle up and thinking, yep, maybe we could uh, start a wee story and, and throw something there. And Lawrence, as you say, wouldn't be like them. Um, I think that came out just before the cup final, that kind of stuff. Um, but the, the beauty of this... Uh, Liam, that I was going to ask you is whether Abada starts or Maeda starts, we're not too fussed at this point in time because we know that either player starts. You can even throw Tsiatak Zabanovic into that mix that will come in and do a turn for us. Yeah, I mean, anything of the three, I would start Zabanovic because I think he's the one that is more in urgent need of game time at the moment. Um, in terms of ability, I don't think there's much to pick between the three of them. They're all excellent players and they all contribute something slightly different. Um, you know, Maeda has his defensive tenacity as much as his fault. Uh, and uh, Haksabanovic is, is just a good... A good uh, I think our uh, technical issues to Japan are coming through, but we'll sort you out, Liam, don't worry. Um, you're a long way away, so it might just be something getting caught in the line, or, or it could be, you know, we were just talking about uh, newspaper acts, they could have just kind of jumped in and, and sorted your, your connection out. Um, Lawrence, looking at it though, Abada changed the game for us on Sunday, no doubt about it. I think you could have actually taken off either of the wide players on Sunday, um, but but Jota shut everybody up. Anybody that was kind of wanting them off at half time, he goes and gets you that goal, and you could see that it actually meant quite a bit to him because for the full the whole first half I think anybody that was watching it on TV I was at the game so I never noticed this but I got a text saying that the St Martin fans were giving Jota absolute pelters so you could have taken anybody off but he gets his goal um, and th- as Liam says all of these wingers at this point in time are really duly top players and it doesn't really matter who you play yeah I mean listen St Martin set up well defensively you know only two of domestically this season the winners that they get subbed, you know, they've done their job entirely in that defence out. You, you know, it's a bit of an easier job coming off the bench, facing guys that are tired, you know. That. So, yeah, they'll all play a part of it, but, you know, I'm just surprised uh, with so many decisions. Uh, again, you know, by far. On but, you go. On you uh, go. Take so it away. You, you look at the old one, they eventually get it right. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have a shot from just the edge of the six-yard box. Would that be a goal-scoring opportunity? You know, but there's no card at all. And you're just going to... 
yeah, one thing I want to bring in here, and Liam, I'll throw this over to you. Xander Max coming in their comments to say, sorry to go on about the weekend, but what would have happened if we scored after a handball uh, and before giving the penalty? It wouldn't have counted, uh, as far as I'm aware, with the rules. That it would have, it would not have counted. The play would have been pulled back to the penalty. Um, it's it's not improving at, at all. You know, people thought get the World Cup, we're going to maybe press the restart button. They'll have a better idea. There's no absolutely no signs of this improving at all. The weekend out with our game and others was another sign of that. Even watching back the uh, Ross County Motherwell game, it's a shocking decision in that game from Don Robertson. It's across the board, really, really poor decision making. Oh, and don't even start, don't it's even start on to Ibrox. But there <laughs> yeah, was in that game. There was in that game. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know what I mean. It's not all teams are affected equally. I mean, there seems to be some no, immunity being granted somewhere. For one team, yeah. So, but Liam, as he's saying there, back back to that point in terms of that. I mean, that really says all. I, 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 standing at the game, I thought, right, okay, plays continue. Donkey, he's not going to pull this back. Hey ho, whistle, does his wee box, and over he goes. It's like, oh, here we go again. Yeah, and you know, then there was the the, the issue with the Kyogo penalty as well. It was like, you know. When, when, what, why do we keep getting it that whenever it's Rangers, there is like, what excuse can we come up with to give them the penalty? Yet when it's Celtic, it's what excuse can we, can we come up with to recede the, uh, rescind the penalty? You know, it's, uh, it, it, you, you can't just, well, actually in Scotland, you can just selectively apply the laws as you see fit. And uh, that's the problem. No one is calling this out. It's complete nonsense. Um, I assume you guys saw what uh, the English referee Dermot Gallagher had to say about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, it, yeah. it's weird when you get impartial press down south. I know. They <laughs> you know, can call it out straight away. Cause, yeah, because Lawrence, t- tell us about the, the, the flip of that. Was it the weekend that you were saying just before we came on there? Yeah, so they were looking at the, the, the game over at uh, Poundland, and Gallagher's looking at the, the penalty the Rangers got going. But the ball doesn't hit his hand. I can't see any image shown that hit him hit his hand. Yeah, go on. He goes round everybody in the sky shoe, they're all bemused. Phantom penalty. We look at the McGregor incident. Yeah, that should be a penalty in a card. How, how did Kelly not get that? That's potentially two goals here, a difference there in the game. In the game, two goals here, a difference. But the BBC up here, they've got the impartial Mike McCoy, Reverend Mike, well known for singing. Rangers anthem in his church and former Rangers player said oh that's a definite penalty and Cole when you got the ball that could be a sending off there and you can tell how much that frustrates your dog as well Lawrence in that yeah, house yes, it's going absolutely it's mental no worries at all no worries <laughs> he'll be back Liam um, no prizes for guessing what team the dog's supposed to <laughs> no not at all Um it's a conversation though, which I know it appears that we're, we're having every week on here but again it's relevant parts of the game which, which change the outcome because at the start of the game again the frustration in it is that, that the person that's operating the VAR in the studio wherever that was, was parked whether it was down at Brayhead or wherever um, but wherever they're looking at it they had three minutes to look at it so even again there's more time wasted with David Dickinson getting called over there was no real deal about his performance on Sunday <laughs> I know exactly a Bobby Dazzler, was it? Um, no. no, but the, the thing is as well, like, 
the inconsistency goes beyond just the initial decision as well. I counted. Now, call me, call me a sad for doing this, right? But I thought, okay, here we go, a VR decision. I started the stopwatch. It was, I counted three minutes and 34 seconds. The play went on before it got called back for the, the penalty incident. Then, took another couple of minutes for them to decide to give the penalty. So there you have at least, by my reckoning, five and a half minutes of time taken out of the game, right? Why? And then I think St. Men also made a substitution after they got the red card. So mm-hmm. there should be 30 seconds added for that as well. Why then was there only four minutes at the end of the half? It, it, it doesn't, I mean, it's like, the, even if you want to, like, you know, interpret the rules to suit your agenda or whatever, that's fine. But that's a, that's a different argument. But that's just straight up not following the rules of association mm. football, you know? Yep. Yep. It's still completely subjective here. Um, the, the different referees apply different rules of the game. There's no cross decision with it. And Lawrence, again, I think some people even noticed, I know David Dickinson's taken charge of our games previously this season. He was promoted for the championship last season. A lot of people were even saying he looked off the pace of the game. And if that's the standard of a Scottish referee and take everything else out of it, we're in trouble if we weren't already because that, that performance on Sunday was absolutely woeful. The weird thing is, you know, they used to get refs that go to the top. They now no longer get that. But there's no problem with referees in Scotland according to the authorities. No. So you, you can, how could be both? That's and Lima, I think that was something that people noticed was... That that and Sunday, you know, that he was completely off the pace of the game. Um, but again, I think's fair. I, I, I attended the last fans forum meeting at Celtic Park. It's always interesting to hear what the people mm-hmm. behind the scenes say at Celtic. Um, they say that they do have a lot of communication with relevant bodies. There is formal communication. They have engagement from the governing bodies um, regularly. That the club have flagged things that aren't working. There has been verbal and written feedback to both Michael Nicholson and Chris Duffy. Um, that The club say that they, they continue to make strong representations at these meetings um, and that other stakeholders want further transparency and accountability. Um, they want, and One of the things that they're looking at is independent reviews um, and, and acknowledgement that mistakes are being made and coming out and explaining why that um basically looking at further independence and transparency. What's your take on that? That, that was what we were told at the, the, the last fans forum meeting. Yeah, but the, the thing is, right, it's easy to say all this stuff, but unless it translates to concrete action, you know, it reminds me of, without getting political, I'll just use a, I'll use a, a non-partisan political example here, right? Let's just say you go to the government with a grievance of, about something. Maybe your, your, your tax bill is too high or your, you know, or whatever. Um, and the government say, OK, we're going to set up a committee to look into this and we're going to examine it. And then the issue is off the table and you don't hear about it again for two or three years. Then somebody else complains about it. And again, they say, well, form a committee and nothing ever happens. It's, it feels like that's the way it is with Celtic and referees. Every fans forum, every bad decision that's made, the club always say, yeah, we'll raise it with the authorities and nothing ever happens. Um, it is like this the governmental merry-go-round that you know frustrates the hell out of me both in Japan and Scotland to be quite honest 
Yeah, it, it does seem that we're just going down in circles, Lawrence. We'll try you for a third time. People are saying let the dog out. Is it the postman at the door? Everybody's wanting to know what, what was happening in there. Um, but, but, but I was just saying to Liam there, I don't know if you, you caught that. The, the, the club are saying that they continue to make strong representations for them, themselves and want further independence and transparency. I think for a lot of people that are getting frustrated, they probably do think that that's not enough. Who do you make the representations to for fairness? You know, and I think we've said this before, what, an organisation, uh, Jim Farry get dismissed for his bias against us that probably stopped, you know, definitely stopped Cadetti signing. You know, he was almost a goal again. Probably cost us points in the league that season. And off potential stopping the, the old Rangers, he's nine in a row before it, it, it got that far. Well, these refereeing body... His old head was dismissed for bias, like, you know, sectarian jokes, maybe not. Or the only time the head of referee speaks out is a you know, still debatable offside decision that went in Celtic's favour with Kyogo. There's been so many other decisions since then. Doesn't feel the need to come out. You know, there was what, look at that penalty. Rangers got when they're toiling against Thistle. How far outside the box? You know, McGregor, it's just. How that's not given us a penalty? You've got VAR. They've got to have an image that shows that. They award that penalty, they must have an image shown it in that boy's arm, with his hand. And they don't have that. You know, we've had all the kid on excuses. The camera wasn't working. Yeah. So that's how you had to get your job. No, no, you needed to prove that it was offside and you couldn't do that. So, so the court has to say, so you're not even following the rules. So I think they're going to the wrong people. They, they may be going to UF and FIFA with this. The good thing is, it's getting so ridiculous now. Sky have called it out, you know, downside of it. I don't Sky she was like, there's no handball. How can he possibly get a penalty? And it's no longer honest mistakes real time. This is, let's look at it as leading the scenario and find some reason we can get it and see if there isn't a reason there. We'll just give them it anyway. You know, there's what, 11 games left. They would statistically need us to draw points in four of them, wouldn't they? And if our decisions are just coming thick and fast week and week, four Rangers against Celtic almost every week. Would you put it beyond them? They've got you know, four games left where they can deny penalties or give dodgy penalties. It's, it's their only hope because the way I'm just going to play football, there's no way that they're going to catch us. And from what I've seen of them playing football, they've made decisions almost every game. You know, I talk to Rangers fans, they admit they're not a good team. So it, it, it's, a, it's a strange one. I, I, I think they, they need to go elsewhere outside of Scotland to try and get any kind of fairness. But the fact that Sky just going like that it's just never a penalty how is it possible to be a lot of them but well, we all know how it's possible you know it was for Rangers and they, and they needed it to get a wee bit of distance away from I think the point in the images are doing a good point actually because sorry Liam on you go I was, I, was, I was going to say the thing is it's no even benefiting Rangers in the long run because the, all these decisions are just papering over the cracks of as you say Lawrence a pretty mediocre team and if games were allowed to play out as they should they would have dropped a lot more points and their fans would be pushing for well they'd be pushing more aggressively for things to get sorted out so actually this well cheating is what I'm going to call it this cheating is actually not benefiting the team that it's intended to benefit because it is only covering up it's only delaying the inevitable at Rangers which is going to be a massive clear-out of that team because they're, they're past it, quite clearly. 
Mm. Well, how how long would Captain Penalty have survived without his penalties? Because <laughs> he's the most woeful right back I've seen in that many a day, you know. And, and obviously Celtic target his position when we play him and we get plenty of joy into it. Yeah, uh, Dyson made a lot of fun doing that. Um, but we'll move on from the, the, the Ibrox Hall of Famer. And James Tavernier there. I, I think the Lawrence just to kind of draw the, the discussion. We've had a, a bit var to a close. I think the point in images is a very good point. I, I heard in sports the other night them saying that Alistair Johnson's goal shouldn't have counted for a handball. And again, it goes back to that point where there's no clear image to show that, so you can't really be saying that. So again, I think we've we've had a good chat and var. Um, again, it feels as if we talk about it every week, but again, it was pertinent to the game on Sunday. Um, Liam, it was a bit of an uncharacteristic first-half performance from Celtic. Things weren't coming off for us. We looked a wee bit, you know, as if we were getting sucked in a bit. By St Murn, they were time-wasting a lot. The ball was getting kicked away. Um, there was a really kind of funny moment, if you're watching on as a neutral, where the, one of the ball girls wouldn't give the ball to Carol Starfield and he was, you know, shouting and whatever because the ball was still in the park. Um, and another one was left in the park and the, the ball boy wouldn't come on to get it. But, and you get them in at half time. He obviously gave them a good telling, and it was watching a different team in that second half. Yeah, it's kind of the inverse of the games have been playing out recently. Because recent in recent times, it's been like first half we've blown teams away, second half we've stuttered. Whereas the other day, I think we stuttered in the first half, and then we we hit the high gear in the second half. Um. The thing is, when this Celtic team clicks for an entire 90 minutes, we are going to absolutely demolish somebody. You know, there's going to be another 9 nothing or something pretty soon if we can get the team to play the way they played in that second half for the uh, for an entire 90 minutes. Because um, clearly they have that in them. And um, it was funny, actually. I was watching the game with my dad um, over the, the iPad. And, um, and he was saying, like, you know, we had some bets on. And I took uh, Celtic to win 3-1. I took Celtic to win 4-1. He was feeling optimistic, so he took 5-1 and 6-1 as well. And the funny thing was, we went 2-1 up, and I said, right, cash that out because it's not going to finish 2-1. And he did. Then the third goal went in. I said, right, cash out the 3-1. But by the time he'd hit the button, we'd already scored the fourth goal. No, so. Yeah. <laughs> so we only beat the bookies twice at the weekend, unfortunately. But, um, that's not bad. As, not, as long as you're beating them, that's the, that's the most important thing. Um, but, you know, as I say, really positive, good first half performance. I think that's a good point there, Liam, about is, you know, being a bit of a contrast to where we usually have. We usually start games well and have them wrapped up pretty much and, and see it out. But, you know, Lawrence, once we started getting going on Sunday, you could tell that we were hungry to go and get more goals. Yeah, de- definitely. But some credit's got to go to St. Man. You, you, you know, they got their noses in front somewhat controversially. You know, probably the only team that kind of penalty is going to be given against. But, you, you know, they did defensively they keep a good shape. So that once they're one up, they've got something to hold on to. And things weren't just coming off. But a lot of that, I think, goes to St. Man. But, you know, they were obviously tired in the second half. And we came out a bit better, we refreshed the lineup. Uh, you know, it paid off, but we don't listen to the guys after the game that say, you know, we knew what to keep doing, we just keep playing our football, it works. Everybody knows their job. Mm-hmm. We know the drill, and just told us what our job is, what we need to do, and we just keep doing that, and we'll win games. So, yeah, a wee bit strange, you know, it's normally first half and then tail off in the second, but 
you know, some credit isn't in there. You know, another decent performance for him. Maybe we should blame the strip, I don't know. Maybe we should win that strip, but... Nah, there's yeah. nothing wrong with the strip now. I think the, the strip's been redeemed now, but we've had a, a, a hammering in it. It's absolutely fine, that strip. Although, I think we'd all like to see them a wee bit better effort um, next season rather than that. I think a lot of people still think it looks like a training top or whatever. And at least, by the way, that we've worn it. I don't know if you guys remember the, the grey kit we brought out with a bit of pink in it. Um, yeah. We never wore it at all competitively, which, mm. uh, again, probably... It's more strips a season. We've got another strip coming out. I know, I mean, yeah. It's just, you know, you used to get new home top, and then the next season, new away top, and you'd have a European top between the, the two seasons as well. It, it, it's crazy, four strips in a season. Yeah. It, I, I think that probably even the frustrating thing, Lawrence, is that the third one that we're bringing out, and possibly, I know the, the, the fourth one that's coming out looks as if it's going to be limited edition or something, but some of the third kit efforts have been absolutely atrocious um, in recent times. I mean, one of my favourites back in the day was a kind of it was a white top with a bit of tartan. It looked quite nice. It was tartan shorts. Yeah, tartan, tartan, yeah. tartan. It looked really, really nice. Um, mm. But some of the other efforts have been uh, atrocious. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people weren't too keen on the pink effort that we got for the sixteen seventeen season either. Um, but listen, kits are kits. If you want to buy them, you can go out and buy them. If you don't find them, you don't need. To pick them up um, but I think that as I say I think that kit's definitely redeemed itself now in, in Paisley um, just looking at the back to the game Liam um, Aaron Moy again some of them in that first half as I say you could have looked at it and thought oh they're not really at it today but so so cool he lays on three of the goals he's only getting credited with the two of them but just another excellent performance from him yeah another masterclass um, and again it's you saw a different dimension to his play and indeed to the whole Celtic team. I I spoke last time about the character that we showed to to get it over the line in the cup final in that second half, and I think we showed similar character at half time at the weekend because it would have been easy to let the heads go down, but we were clearly fired up that second half and we came out and we were a completely different team and Aaron Moy was was a huge part of that um, not, not letting an indifferent, I wouldn't even say a bad first half performance, just an indifferent first half performance, not letting it get him down and he kept mm-hmm. going and yeah, um, inspirational stuff, really inspirational stuff and as, as Lauren said, credit to St Martin they clearly had a game plan and you know, up until the sending off, it largely worked for them. Um, and I don't blame them for doing that. Sure, it's boring to watch, but you know, at the end of the day, that is the only way a team like Simon can compete with a team like Celtic, and they have to do what they have to do. So you know, fair's fair. Yeah, um, and again, you know, they had a decent go at Celtic part as well. It's not as if we're just seeing a, a team that are you know trying to pack it and whatever else they they've got different um, ways of playing um, and you could even see that after the game that Ange Postacoglu had to be kind of quick chat with Curtis Main because he could see that he'd you know, given us a wee bit of a, a, a tough time um, and they were pretty difficult to break down I actually thought the game was going to get harder when St Murn went to, to 10 men um, because you know teams can be very well drilled in that and their shape and whatever else that they just then take the step back but Celtic picked that apart and Lawrence again we knew it was going to be congested last weekend in the, the, the Via Play Cup final in that midfield. But when you've got a player like Aaron Moy, he, he could pick anything out. And, you know, that, that ball, second ball in for, 
when Alistair Johnson's goal is absolutely delightful. I was just waiting for him to get it into the back of the net. Yeah, just beautiful. You know, Moyes, you know, he cemented his place in the, the midfield. I'd say probably the Saman game was harder than the cup final for the team. You know, it was, you know although the score ended up bigger, I think it was a, a harder challenge they faced there. But yeah, Moyes just had a, had a class. And I can now see the stories coming out in the, uh, in the media saying, oh, we could have signed them, but we, we spent it on Yilmaz or something. I don't even know. <laughs> of course you could have. It's just... What might have been, eh? But uh, yeah, another great performance by him. And you know, as I've said, you know, the players come out saying the manager's got his drilled. We know we just keep playing our football, and it gets yeah. the results. The, the, you know, the, the only thing we've got to worry about as a whole season is VAR. That is the simple thing. It's the only thing keeping a title, title race alive. You know, this race should have been done by December. He might have been on a third manager or Mark might have been back in charge, who knows? It's, yeah, uh, it's just fantastic to watch the way Andrew's got him playing. You know, he's already talking about transfer targets for for next season, that they're working on them. Uh, and that's got to increase the competition because players have got to want to stay here. You know, there must be some players that are getting game time just now that you know will be moved on in the summer to make way for whoever it is, the Toshin team have identified because they seem to be doing a cracking job of bringing in players. Yeah, I think that will be in the plan. And Ange Postacoglu is not shut away for saying that, you know, that's going to be the look at doing things. Liam, I find Aaron Moy still really, really interesting in this, that Celtic, that move almost seemed like the perfect fit after everything that had gone on, making that move over to China, not playing football, having been married in Glasgow. He met his wife when he was at St Mernon here. I wouldn't honestly be surprised if Aaron Moy actually finishes his playing career here at Celtic. And if he keeps turning out performances like that at 32, I think Bruni lasted until 35, 36. I know that last season that the legs might have gone, probably down to, to COVID and not training and whatever else. But probably still a good wee bit left in the tank, Aaron Moy. I know we're maybe getting a wee bit ahead of ourselves there. But I, I, again, if he's going to produce performances like that, I've got absolutely no qualms, I think his contract's up next summer so it's not something to worry about at this point in time but I wouldn't be surprised if Celtic offer him a new deal possibly in the summer Oh absolutely, um, and the thing is he's one of those players, he's got the football brain and I said the same thing about Bruni um, at the, as he gets older and the legs do start to go you know, I'm not comparing him in terms of ability but in terms of the type of player he could do what Lothar Mateus did at Bayern Munich you know he was an attacking midfielder in his, in his early career with Inter Milan. Then at Bayern, he was a holding midfielder. Then he was a defensive midfielder. And finally, he finished out his career at the age of 41 as a sweeper. Um, if you've got the footballing brain, you can just step that bit further back as, as, as the legs start to go and you can play that wee bit deeper. And I could see Aaron Moy doing that. You know, Don't be surprised if... You know, two or three years down the line, he is still with us, but he's playing in a much more defensive role. Yeah, that's a possibility. I, I'm, I'm being given it tight here in the comments. I need to bring this up. I've been told it's been half an hour. I've not mentioned, I've not went to an event, but I'm going to mention an event. There is an event on Lawrence. You want to tell us a wee bit about it and the day after St Patrick's Day? Yeah, so St Patrick's weekend in Glasgow, 18th of March, Captain's Night, Danny, Tom Boy, Big Roy. So, not a lot of events. It'd be great to hear his stories. I know he had his um, 
run-ins with referees. I think it was uh, another scandalous sending-off decision that uh, eventually persuaded them to move elsewhere. I don't think they felt the club had stood up enough for them. But, yeah, Doubletree and Hilton, uh, one of Joe Miller's, we'll all remember wee Joe, stopping the treble, uh, winning a cup for us. Uh, so it should be a cracking night. Yeah, it should be um, day after St Patrick's Day. I think Mother's Day is the next day, so could be a few hangovers there for anybody taking uh, their old mo out the next day. Um, Liam, that Roy Aitken's actually quite a good tie at the next point I want to talk about. A lot of people really, really impressed with Alistair Johnson after the, the Via Play Cup final. And in the, the, the same kind of mould to Aitken, um, he's not fear of getting stuck in. And when he's seen other players especially some of the kind of players that might be seen as Celtic's talented stars and whatever else. he's uh, He wants to protect them. His comments uh, last week just going into this at one game were, were absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I mean, as, as I said last week, my, my favourite, one of my favourite moments of the cup final was when you had, had Alistair Johnson running 30 yards to... To, to China Rangers player who just booted Rio Hatate and I thought that that kind of leadership from a guy who's only been at the club for a couple of months really is is incredible um, and funny thing you know going back to the bookies again I had a couple of quid on him to score at the weekend because I just thought when a player is on the up you know yep. they usually the, the rise continues and uh, yep he got his goal Um with a bit of help from, you know, <laughs> hitting the hitting the Simon player on the way through, but they all count. And uh yeah, he is he's a sensation. I'm really you know, it's no disrespect to him, but we're really not missing Juranovic as much as I thought we would, because Johnson has come in and he looks as good a player, but the fact that he's that wee bit younger means he will hopefully become a better player in time. Yeah, absolutely, and he's still adapting. I think, you know, we're only early March and he's still adapting to play that inverted fullback role, which is a lot of challenges. It's different to to just playing, you know, as a defensive um, right back. So he's um, he's only going to get better. And I think that's a really good point in his age that he's got that time under his belt. Like a lot of the other guys in there, Real Hitati, Dyson, Leal Labada, you can, you know, they all roll off the tongue, Jota, that are going to get better. Um, I think even Greg Taylor's probably even still in that mould that, He's going to probably step up another level. Um, once again, Lawrence, you know, everybody talks about the Celtic team and the attacking threat that we've got. St Murn's game plan was there to frustrate us and whatnot, but again, another solid performance from our, our, our centre-back pairing and Carol Starfield and Cameron Carter-Vickers. Strolled it. Absolutely strolled it. Cameron's shooting's a wee bit off. You know, could maybe do a bit of work on that, sure. That was a really funny clip, wasn't it? That was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, you know, it shows there's still a bit of humour left in the game, doesn't it? But uh, yeah, you know, absolutely strong. You know, they're so good together. I mean, I, I think that's where we might see when he changes. We talked about last week, maybe about maybe Starfield, maybe the, there's a few clubs interested in down south. He's of an age. Starfield's the older of the two, so if we were going to move someone on and follow our model, probably Starfield, wouldn't it? Uh, but yeah, the two of them strolled it. Uh, you know, look, it's just cracking. Yeah, defensive record we've got when they two play together. So, it, for me, I think you know that's maybe maybe Carl. He might get moved on, not because uh, he's a, not because uh, 
his lack of ability, but because he's about because he's so good, I think there will be players down there. We'll turn a profit all on him. We've got Kobayashi in, and no doubt the Toshin team will probably be looking to bring in a, another centre half. Both those guys have been really reliable for us in Starfield and uh, Carter Vickers. Liam, um, Ohi and Gur, another goal at the weekend. I know it was from the... I should be back. Am I not back yet? Uh, uh, yeah, you're intermittent, but I can hear the eye. So all got a goal at the weekend, you were saying. All yeah. got a goal at the weekend. Um Granted, from the penalty spot, it was it was some run up for the penalty, but again, he will hopefully go in confidence with that goal. I know that St Murn was his last goal, um, but again, I think he's still going to play a really important part for us towards the end of this season. You know, the great thing is that, as we've already talked about, with, with Ange's, uh, well, and, and Tosh and the scouting network as well, obviously, the players that go out, the ones that come in are, they do seem to be incremental upgrades. You know, I think Alistair Johnston is going to prove to be an upgrade on Juranovic. And the early signs are that O is an improvement on Giacomakis. Um And I really think that that's, that's something to, um, you know, to be really happy about. And I do believe that in the fullness of time, if, as we've suggested, Starfelt moves on in the summer, and as Lorne said, not because of any questions about his ability, quite the opposite, because he's doing really well he's going to attract interest um, and he's at that age where we're going to want to cash in. Um, I think Kobayashi could step up and be the next one that comes along and is actually better than the player that has preceded him. He's in the wings and we've seen a wee bit of him so you, you never know, you might eventually get um, a glimpse of him, it's just where that game time maybe comes. I know the, the squad have been building towards weekend uh, midweek back into the weekend there might be room for, for some changes I don't think there'll be too many between the games against Hearts but obviously we've got that flexibility to do that if we really um, need to um, Kyogo, quiet at the weekend Lawrence but you don't need to worry about it because I'm sure he'll be be back in form for these two games and I'm hoping they hit that, that 30 mark before that's the end of this month yeah, He's almost a goal again you know it's yeah, quiet but you've got that amount of goals uh, it brings a lot to the team. It's you can have an off day, can't you? If, if that's an off day and your team's one five one, it's, it's certainly the day to have them. But yeah, it's the, the games against Hearts. You know, I don't think Hearts will open up as much as they did against Rangers, where they played a really open style and, and paid for it. I think it's going to be fairly physical uh, as well, and you know, worried about. Injuries, you know, you want to keep the, the treble dream alive for this season. So, two huge games for us. You know, they'd go a long way. They, well, certainly one of them keeps the treble alive. Another one, it's ticking off in the league. Uh, the only surprise it will be if, the, if, if there's no VAR controversy, shall we say that. Uh, <laughs> and there was plenty, plenty of that the last time we were at Tyne Castle. Yeah, indeed. First, first time it was used when we were playing. We'll, we'll look at the handball there. <laughs> The, the ref didn't even review it. Even it was the end of the game. They're sitting on a bad offside without going to bar when he's a mile on. But it gives Hearts just enough time to get the ball back into their box. Probably a bit, you know, cynical there. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think to expect
more of our controversy. Often, up until it's impossible uh, for anyone other than us to win this league. Do you know what, though? I'm glad that we're playing Hearts in the league first before we play them in the Cup. Because if we can give them a good scudding tomorrow night, that will really throw down a marker ahead of uh, ahead of the game at the weekend. Have them nice and broken and demoralised and ready for another <laughs> doing, uh, hopefully. And you could change plenty of players going at that Cup game if you really fancied as well, Liam. You know, you can say, well, here's the first time we're going to throw at you and here's the second time we're going to throw at you. Don't think we'll do that again. No, we've got that flexibility to make two or three changes, whether that's you know a bad in that I think will come in tomorrow night. You could throw O'Reilly in, although that would be harsh. I think another three midfielders in there. Um, there could be game time for, for other guys. Obviously, as you both said, Haksabanovic off the bench um, and, and Dullers Dyson off the bench and, and others. Um, we've, we've got that flexibility to do that. Just where we were still on St Mirren, just one thing I want to ask you both. Um being at the game, very noticeable. Don't know if it was as noticeable on TV. A lot of patches within the, the, the free stands that the St Murn fans were in. We know that that's been an allocation cut, Lawrence, um, this season. They introduced a scheme, I think, at the start of the season that if you wanted to basically help the club financially, you'd be paying for an empty seat. Um, there was also chat around tickets going to youth groups and schools and whatever. It didn't look as if there was too many of them there on Sunday there, there needs to be a way around this because there was plenty of people um, on Sunday who who go regularly and and even those that don't go regularly who must be looking at that and being really frustrated because there was only 1,500 Celtic fans at that game on Sunday when it looked as though the stand behind the goal the opposite stand where Celtic used to get that those fans could have been split between the other two ends well you know some don't want to lose any kind of any more ground should I say because they don't want it to be like a home game for us. And, you know, after putting, you know, rather than grabbing the money, they're saying, well, you know, we want to give ourselves as best chance as possible against some points here. You know, they're six in the league. They're, what, three, three or four points off Europe. I don't think that has to be a way. You know, it's down to clubs to run themselves and run themselves well. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be great if more Celtic fans could get, but you know, St Mum's not run for the benefit of Celtic fans. If St Mum fans generally, you know, they've got the fan ownership, if that's genuinely the way they want to go, try and get more points in the league and, and better themselves, try and take away, you know, or, or the advantage that having the majority of fans in the ground would give Celtic, well, you know, they're, they're perfectly entitled to do it. As annoying as it is, you know, because we would like more Celtic fans getting tickets, but. St Mum's perfectly entitled to do it as are other teams it's just you know it's annoying but you know for St Mum that, that, that was a tough game of football for us so they could argue you know the first 45 minutes of work for them they're the only team to beat us yeah, you know so I would say outperforming where you thought they'd be in the league being in six possibly coming into Europe so if, if this is part of their overall strategy and it works for them who, who would be criticised Liam, what was your take on it? Because I know a couple of weeks ago, again, they, they posted loss of, of profits. And again, I think people look at that and thinking, well, why are you keeping folk out the ground when you, you could be bringing in more money? I think there's an argument probably in both sides of this. It's just for saying when you go along to the game and thinking, there's plenty of people that could actually be filling that stand. You know, it's a spectator sport. Get as many people in, bums and seats, and, and create an atmosphere within the stadium. Well, I mean, as as Lon says, it's, it's up to the individual clubs to 
you know, do what they want to do with their own stadiums. But um, I do think there's a bit of kind of a cut your nose off to spite your face about it because why why have empty seats when you know as uh, as my dad liked to tell me when he, when we were when we were doing our business together a few years ago he says uh, a pound note doesn't have a conscience because <laughs> we were, our company was actually looking after Celtic and Rangers at one point and uh, we're like look you know. Uh, it doesn't matter if the pound note comes through, comes through a blue nose or a green nose as long as you get the pound note so um, unfortunately football as a looking at football as a fan as a as a sort of a how can I say as a, a mean expression of fandom as opposed to a business the passionate fans will say uh, look you know keep them out we it's this is our stadium we want us to be the majority whatever fine but it's no celtic's fault there's only seven thousand that you turn up you know mm-hmm. um and but there's a wider there's a wider problem with this now we were, we were lucky that the st Martin game was on the telly so those who couldn't get a ticket you know like my dad for example now even if tickets were available somebody like my dad has long-term mobility issues he was not. He would not have been able to go to the game anyway, right? And tomorrow night, there are no Scottish games on Sky, mm-hmm. um, despite the fact that it's a you know, there's Celtic and Rangers are both playing in quite important, high-profile games. Um, and what happens to those fans that can't get to those games? I mean, I know Celtic are putting it on their pay-per-view service, but that is an occasional thing. There needs to be a long-term solution, you know, to say, look, see if we can't get enough tickets to satisfy fan demand. There needs to be some kind of domestic system similar to the international system where I pay 22 quid a month to get every game streamed, right? There needs to be some kind of digital season ticket, Um all of this nonsense about you can't show live games at three o'clock on a Saturday, it is so parochial and nonsensical. Because, you know, see, right, the J-League, right? Every Are game, they not showing free on YouTube? Uh, outside of Japan, yes. Within yeah. Japan, it's a subscription service. But you get every game live. And you know what? The big clubs still fill their stadiums every week. So don't tell me that, you know... 60,000 Celtic fans are not going to go there next time we play the Mankey Mob just because it's on Sky, right? Don't tell me that as much as I as much as much I dislike the place, Ibrox is not going to be full every weekend anyway because there's plenty of people wanting to go and see that team. You know, the St Mervins of this world, with the greatest of respect to them, are not. They fill their stadium, whether the game's on the telly or not. So, really... Let's take that out of the equation. This whole thing needs to be looked at again. I was hoping during the the COVID thing, I really hoped that that system would have stayed in place because it meant that people like Mm -hmm. my dad, for the first time in years, we could sit down together and watch every single game. And now it's only if a game is on the telly or if it's on the pay-per-view that we can watch them together. And that is a real shame Um, because I know there are going to be tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of Celtic fans within the UK who are in that same position because of financial 
or mobility or you know illness, they cannot physically get to games, and they're just being shut out, and it's not right. Mm-hmm. No, it's not right. Um, tomorrow night's game, I think, is on pay-per-view, but if I'm right with that new Sky deal, it was only five games per season out with the, the ones that are televised and out with that 3pm um, nonsense that you're, you're talking about there that, that can be shown live. Um, it, it's one, I mean, th- this week can almost typifies it, and that if you were a Celtic fan, you had to have a Sky Sports subscription for Sunday. You would then have to buy the pay-per-view on Wednesday if you can't go. Then you would need a, a Via Play subscription for Saturday. That's free subscriptions um, during the cost of living at this point in time. That's, that's not the, the, the best outcome for people that want to watch their their team play football. Um, Lawrence, one of the interesting things, you know, going back to this fan tournament, something I didn't get the chance to mention on here was that the club have proposed a kind of neutral family stand. And I know that's something that they have in Germany. Um, t- to me, you know, j- just looking at it, you know, taking the the, the Celtic point out of it, just for, for clubs trying to get folk in, if you can do something like that, it makes a lot of sense. They can do it no bother in Germany. I think there was Bayern fans in the Dortmund end. I don't think we're ever going to get to a case where you have Celtic Rangers fans in the one end at a game. But there's probably some clubs that you could look to maybe do that. So yeah, it depends what you mean being neutral, doesn't it? You know, what do you mean is, is mixing the fans? Aye. Yeah, if somebody's got a child, they could maybe go into the St Murn end type of thing and they could buy a ticket in there with their, their kid. It's about how they run their business. If they can see sustainably that, you know, year and year they'll grow more season books by not doing that, you're going to it's got a long term impact, positive impact for them. If they post losses and don't do it, but it, it seems a bit daft, but it's still up to them how they run their business. I don't think, you know, a neutral family stand would be would be different, you know, what we're doing going to do, make them Celtic fans neutral in there, give them a ref top and say you're neutral now. <laughs> It's just, it's <laughs> no. um, it's just one. It was noticeable. I know it's a frustration in a lot of people um, that get a lot of games in those that, that don't um, because the opportunity maybe looks as if it's been taken away when it would make sense financially. But again, as you say, Lawrence, I think you've, you've made a very fair point in that, that it's up to St Murns. It's to St Murns' decision at the end of the day, um, and St Murns' um, financial situation. Need if not be our worry. Um, yeah, I don't remember that. Come on, I was born in 2000. Fer- Fergus was Fergus was off ski. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you the legend though. Beanbags are great, yeah. Oh, aye. Oh, but we're still living in it in, in 22 trophies in 11 years post Fergus McCann era. Um, Liam, t- tomorrow night, I think it's going to be a tough test. It was tough the last time out against Hearts at 4 3 game at Tynecastle. Um, last season, I think games, if I can remember right, at Celtic Park are pretty tight between both teams, but I think we've came on a hell of a lot away from there. I know we've only played them once at Celtic Park this season. Um, it should hopefully just be another game ticked off, and then that's the kind of that's 28 games. It's also going to be Ange Postacoglu's 100th game in charge of Celtic tomorrow night. Yeah, um, 
you know, I, I traditionally Hearts are a team that give us problems. They're usually, you know, when uh, when the original Rangers died before the the Govan Dodgers rose up to replace them, um, we were Hearts were the big the big rival for us. But I do think that the Hearts team now is noticeably weaker than it was a couple of years ago. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be a tough game. But again, so was St Mirren, and we took care of them. Uh, and they are teams of I think at the moment a similar level. Um, and with the home advantage, no, I mean, it'll be a physical game. It'll be they will try to intimidate us or try to stifle our our creativity. But I still think we'll win by two or three goals quite comfortably. And and Lawrence, you know, you made a point earlier on. I think Jota actually said it after the game on Sunday, and that the Celtic team just know that they stick to what they are are taught to do and that they will get their, their rewards eventually. Um, it might be a case of that tomorrow night. I'm, as, I think as Liam says, there'll be a difficult challenge, but I, I think the Celtic team will always wear a team out eventually. And what you're bringing off the bench um, will just even give you that greater boost in 250 goals and 99 games is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, some return. But listen, Hearts in the third place, well, five points ahead of Hibs so you, they're not going to get you know if we win and Hibs win their game that's not a situation Hearts want to be in they're, they're going to allow to, to take points off us it's going to be a tough game but there's one thing about Angeball you know if you stick with it it gets results you know I fully expect us to win I expect there to be some VAR controversy keeping the game close but <laughs> I don't know, I mean, look, Liam seems to be a man for the bookies, but, you know, would they give you odds in a penalty against Celtic or a penalty for Rangers these days? Uh, it'd be a 7-1 on. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, if it was 7-1 on a penalty for Rangers, think how much you'd have made over the season. Especially some of your millions, Lawrence, for everything that you could stick on it. Um, Liam... <laughs> 200, 100 games under Ange Postecoglou. I remember the very first game against Midtjyllander. I think it's the the second game that he gets asked that really daft question about it being a catastrophe or whatever it is. Somebody will tell us what the exact word was after mm. it. Um, that was two games and it, it's certainly not been a, a catastrophe. I think at 99 games he's won something like 73 of them at this point in time. As I say, 99 games we've scored 250 goals. All the noise has been there for the previous weeks about him, you know, heading elsewhere and whatever else. He put that to, to bed last week and saying you'll be surprised how long I'm here for. 100 games down tomorrow night, I'm sure there'll be plenty more to come. Yep, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I, I, I personally just feel so much pride in what Celtic are doing now with Ange and with the Japanese contingent because it's a, it's a validation of thinking outside the box, getting a manager from a well-respected but not particularly well-known market. Um, it's a validation of Japanese football in general. It's a validation of Australian football. And it is just the perfect time to be a Celtic supporter based on this side of the world, honestly. It's, it's wonderful. And Ange is the guy who's made it all happen. And uh, yeah, I hope he's here for years and years to come. I really do. 
Yeah, I, I, I do as well. Um, he's been a complete revelation, and as long as he continues to to build and evolve the team, which I think is his main ambition, I think he's going to take us. I hope to, to to heights that we've maybe not been at for a, a good wee while yet. Um, I ended last week asking you both about iconic images from that that cup final. I want to know in the, the 99 games so far, um, obviously tomorrow it's going to be 100, a moment, if you could pick one moment in it, which I know is going to be very, very difficult, what would it be and why? Um, possibly for me, it, when we go from 2-0 up to 3-0 up in that derby game at the beginning of February, the elation, and it was almost like disbelief how quick both goals had came. We had it beaten being just for so long, and it was a real kind of stamp. Yep, here we are, back on top once again. Am I going to go on and win this league title? That comes to a very close state and probably the final whistle in the League Cup final. It was, you know, us winning the trophy back um, and I thought it was going to be the start of uh, something special. So there's two to throw at both of you guys. Liam, for this one, you've just spoken about how good it is to, to be a Celtic fan on that side mm. of the world. If you could pick a moment or a couple, tell us about them and why. Well, not so much a, an individual moment, more of a recurring theme with with, with Ange. Um, I love it at press conferences when a journalist asks him a stupid question or a question that's already been asked and responds by calling them mate when what he actually means is a, you know, another word that, yeah. that rhymes with punt and let's leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Any any particular football moments? Um, I would say that the uh, yeah the February game was special because it showed that we truly arrived on the scene. It showed that we were the best team in Scotland, and it put us top of the league. Um, yeah, that the February game sticks out, but also the the four nothing game earlier this year. Uh, sorry, earlier this season. Um, because again, much like the cup final, all the hype was around the, uh, you know, the tribute act and what they were going to do to us and how they were back and they were coming and nah, we blew them away. Um, and we have not looked back since. I think February was when we emerged. That game uh, was when we asserted our dominance on them. And I do not think that they have mentally recovered from that yet. I think that's a good way of, of stating that. Yep, I see it as a dominance on them. Um, because as you say, as, as I said earlier on, it had been a while since we had beaten Rangers in that 3-0 game. Just felt like a real elation and a real special night. Um, Lawrence, what about yourself? 99 games, a couple of moments for from you? Uh, and his first trophy, as you touched on, cool goal, you know, scoring that wonderful goal, yeah, cracking Tony Ralston up at Ross County. Yeah. See the real team spirit there, you know, what Andrew done for a player that many have thought, you know, perhaps wasn't going, wasn't as good as he's proven to be. Yeah. I think, yeah, oof, the best. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably go away with with Tony Ralston up at Ross County you know they're real together and for the team just that redemption of Tony in everyone's eyes you know just confirmation that you know, Ange can develop players that we don't stop they just have everything done at 97 minute one yeah and it was funny a, a, a guy I mean everybody just completely 
fail where everybody was going absolutely mental. There was a guy in the deck and we're trying to actually help him up and it turned out he was on his bloody mobile phone and he was shouting in the phone, yes, it's somebody. We're trying to get him up. So just lost cause, just leave him there. He's absolutely fine. Um, just complete jubilation, joy. I mean, thankfully, so far, I have never made the trip back from Dingwall having not won the game and I, I wouldn't have fancied it that night, um, especially what we were kind of building towards it was close to a cup final and all that stuff I think another one probably um, in the mention is Abada scoring that 96 minute winning goal against Dundee United if you remember right Rangers oh. dropped points in Dingwall yeah. that day and I thought that was a bit of a big turning point for us in the title race would you both agree with that? Aye that was special that, that, that was special um, Yep a few people The wife still in, don't have to for waking her up that night <laughs> yeah, I bet you that was high. Um, yep, there we go. Pat Dolan coming in to say a bad if he done the United to make it 1 0 at the death. Um, Uncle Nobby Steamboat coming in to say Jota's chip um, in the Derby game there. Roll McMillan coming in to say McGregor putting us back in command at their place. Absolutely. Um, let's see what else we've got here just before we wrap up. Um, Hatati's two goals against Rangers at Celtic Park. Um, he'd only been in the door a couple of weeks, I think. He'd scored at Tynecast in his debut and he pops up with these two and there's a, there's a bit, I think it's James Forrest who's pointing up to the screen to let him know, you know, you're man of the match and he's kind of looking at him as if to say, me? I don't think uh, Hatati knew but we did that night. Um, another one came in here to say 2-1 Ibrox. Yep, that was a, a big win for us there um, and came out so we'll leave it at that one. Kyogo's debut hat-trick and here another one actually come in GG's Dundee third 3-2 that game and St Johnston last minute um, plenty there good to get some comments on that good to hear both your guys thoughts on that um, as always that's been a quick hour I know there's been a few wee technical issues I apologise about that um, we'll, we'll blame the Wi-Fi signal getting from myself here in Mary Hill Lawrence uh, you're over Shettleston Rutherland you stayed Lawrence and obviously Liam in Japan yeah. so we'll, We'll blame the Wi-Fi on that. Apologies. We will be back tomorrow. We'll be previewing the game, as always, from 12.30, and there will be coverage before the game, half-time, and after the game. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Celtic State of Mind, and have a great day. Network.